Welcome to the Newsbusters podcast with your host, executive editor of Newsbusters, Tim Graham. Hello and welcome to the aftermath of the latest marathon State of the Union address. Wouldn't it be nice if you could effectively fast forward through the applause breaks? I was trying to do a little bit of this last night because I got behind. Uh, and you just can't because you can't figure out where Biden starts talking again. These speeches are entirely too long, but we are here today to explore just how boosterish the pro-Biden media can get after a campaign event like this. Shouldn't be a campaign event, but it is. Joining me in the post-game show is Curtis Hauk, managing editor of Newsbusters. Hey, hey. I, uh... To paraphrase George W. Bush after the Trump inauguration, that was some weird crap. Yeah, I, you know, you and I both are watching this live. You know, we work the whole day here. Then on State of the Union night, we work some more and then we get up the next morning, and work some more. So this is sort of like the uh, uh, the pundit bowl of, uh, mm-hmm. you know, it's a it's a big deal. Um but I think we got what we were expecting. I mean, maybe just to speak in overarching terms for a minute. We were expecting, oh, is he going to be a geezer? Mm-hmm. And when he wasn't entirely a geezer, the the networks all thought it was fabulous. Suddenly he's Abraham Lincoln. Right. And he's screaming constantly. He was He was screaming all the time. He started with this weird bit about asking John Roberts for a court order because Jill Biden's going to the big game tomorrow. No, it's on Sunday, Joe. Uh, <laughs> it, it, and then he kept calling Schumer the minority leader. Yep. And it, uh, so we were, we were off to a, a really good start. We knew, okay, this is the Joe that we're going to get. Then he started yelling the whole time. Um, yeah, the Xi Jinping yelling was probably the worst of it. It was just bizarre. So so as such, the networks reacted appropriately. I mean, we had Wolf Blitzer, who maybe had the weirdest take of the night or just most, you know, weak need take of the night. Caitlin, uh, I've heard uh, President Biden going back to his 36 years in the U.S. Senate deliver a lot of speeches over the years. I've covered him for many, many years. I've gotten to know him a bit. Uh, I think this was the best speech I have ever heard him deliver. He was passionate. It was extremely well written. He clearly had practiced it. Uh, and he, he, he delivered a powerful message to the American people. Um, uh, I, this is one of those things where uh, I just believe as a, if you're a fan of speeches, um, State of the Union speeches are never going to be the best speeches. They're not going to be best on paper. They're not going to be best as they're delivered. I mean, an inaugural would probably be a better speech. Um, in terms of memory, too. And in terms of memory, people are more likely to remember an inauguration address. This happened with Donald Trump. Trump gave some incredible State of the Unions that really threw the networks for a loop. There were some years where the broadcast networks uh, when I would work late, uh, the immediate reactions from you know the CBS of the world to be like, my gosh, that was awesome. Like the one year they were saying Trump gave the new Morning in America address, and you're like, oh my gosh, that's wild. And then sure enough, he would sit, tweet something stupid, and then you know it, it would be completely gone. Um, I don't know what if they're gonna try and do that with Joe because they were so invigorated by it. Um, but as you as you kind of mentioned, people don't really remember state of the unions in terms of lasting impact or a polling bump cnn tried to do that last night with david chalian 
except the fact that he kept saying, oh, this is a Democrat sample, D plus eight. But look, 72% of people either really liked it or liked it. Yeah, I mean, it, it, yes, one of the things I would always devalue is immediate reaction to a State of the Union speech because, yes, most of the people watching are very political people, one way or the other, is that most Americans were not watching the speech last night. Um, that's, to me, what makes it worse if, if somebody comes out later and says... Biden gave a unifying speech. Well, no, not if you watched it live. No, exactly. And and so that goes to the other take on CNN that was really most cringeworthy was Chris Wallace. He referred to Biden taunting Republicans as a magic moment and that he did as well as he could to put to rest any concerns about his, quote, vigor and resilience. Yeah, they were really big on saying... Uh, oh, gee, well, he doesn't sound 80 now, does he? Like, this is one of those things where they were almost surprised. Um, now, you could have just as well found the weird moments and said, well, he's clearly slipping. You know, he called Schumer the minority leader. Uh, this is where under Trump, when you when he said Tim Apple, you know, Tim Cook, the chairman of Apple is Tim Apple. And they would make a big story out of that. Biden gaffs on a regular basis. And it's like, oh, yeah. It, it's the way he is. Right, exactly. And, of course, the Republican reaction is something that, you know, the media have also been really excited about. You know, Wallace said it was brilliant by Donald or uh, by Joe Biden to taunt Republicans into responding to him. Uh, and you had a lot of folks on CNN, John King, Jamie Gingell, lamenting that any Republican, the Republicans who spoke out won't be censured. Nothing will happen to these people for disrespecting Joe Biden. That That's where, you know, and Nick Fondacaro made this point that, you know, if you go back four years to basically the same scenario, which is new opposing party minority or majority in the House, it was very raucous with Trump in 2019. And obviously Nancy Pelosi ripping his speech in half, uh, you know, these sorts of things for them to pretend now, oh, it's so... It's so surprising and sad that they're contentious. Yeah, so our Alex Christie had a piece this morning. Jim Shudo was doing the think of the children uh, <laughs> bit this morning. Like The like, children! Think of the oh, children! No. Think of the children! Mommy and Daddy are fighting at the yeah. dinner table. No, but see, this is, the, <laughs> this is the problem, is that most of the Republicans at home, and when the president gets up and says, well, the Republicans want to sunset Social Security, which sounds to most people like they want to abolish it. Yeah, you're gonna get you're gonna get pushback, um, and you deserve it. Right, and that's why it was different. Then this wasn't just Joe Wilson. People are trying to make this comparison to Joe Wilson, uh, and Obama didn't really necessarily react like Joe. Joe was goading them on. Joe liked it. Uh, and they were more than willing to go along with it. Um, and so the White House was excited. The Republicans are excited. It, um, you had Savannah Guthrie fret that this is this morning that, oh, I don't know what it says, whether it's good or bad, that we're becoming like the UK's House of Parliament. Give me a break. And some people do like that. And I think to some extent, look, politics is going to be feisty. But, you know, when the Democrats do it, it's feisty. Yeah, and when fiery. The, and when the Republicans do it, it's, you know, unglued. He's up. Biden is upbeat. You know, whereas back in reality, uh, when I was watching CNN last night, uh, buddy Scott Jennings, great point. What percentage of Joe Biden's tweets was purely for Democratic base that doesn't want him to run again? 
Uh, <laughs> you're like, oh, that's a left really, unsaid. Left unsaid. You know, it's a really good point. He said it was a really partisan campaign speech with a brief nod to his constitutional obligations to throw a line at the end, which is really a good metaphor for his presidency so far. So par for the course. Yeah, I mean, it, it really was a speech for Democrats. It was not a unifying speech. It was a trash-talking partisan speech. I think that that's, you know, they have this real problem because they want to say both Biden pitched unity and he traded jabs with Republicans. Well, it's not, in that case, it's a it's kind of a mess thematically. Most normal people don't understand, yeah, would know that. I mean, and when he did talk about bipartisan, you know, bipartisanship, it was about things that have already happened. Well, you know, but then, and even then, though, they ruined the bipartisanship because they're like, well, guys, I know you supported us on the infrastructure bill. And if you didn't, you probably showed up at the ceremony. Ha ha ha. You bug hypocrites. You know, I mean, it's yeah. it. They, he even ruined the bipartisan moments with right. the trash talk. Right. Well, that was yeah, that was almost like a Jeff Zucker line. That's the kind of snark <laughs> that you used to get on CNN. People would point that out all the time. But then when it came to, like, things he actually wants to do in the future, it was uniformly partisan. You know, you talked about the PRO Act, which mm-hmm. is the radical pro-union bill that would really cripple small businesses. He talked about a living wage. He talked about the need to restore the constitutional right taken away by the Supreme Court with Roe. And to, quote, safeguard patient safety unless... You know, the, you're the patients the, of, uh, the, of the unborn child. Yeah, the unborn child. Well, I mean, this is and this is uh, this was the yeah, a left wing president marching to the left, you know, touting we want abortion at any time. We we need to give you the full menu of LGBTQ plus. Um, but somehow they want to say, was it Beschloss last night who said and it was centrist. He was. <laughs> yeah, he was Mr. Smooth, Mr. Smooth. No, uh, he wasn't. Uh, he was a ranty grandpa. Yeah, he was a ranty grandpa. Um, the full quote here. I'm feeling great. That was a wonderful speech. Uh, he was, didn't you think he was sort of Mr. Smooth? This guy has been in national politics for 50 years. You don't, don't always see the result of that, but you sure saw it tonight. He was elegant. He was civilized. He was conciliatory. He was reasonable. And, and maybe most of all, he was he, he sounded like a centrist, which is exactly mm-hmm. where he wants to be. Yeah, I mean, this oh, is please. that's the worst. That's the worst. I mean, this is yeah. where you're like, it's not th- these aren't referees. Obviously, he's brought on as a quote unquote historian. He's probably he's probably like, you know, Mary Bruce at ABC trying so hard to like want to join the White House communications office like Beschloss is super jelly that. Uh, John Meacham has helped Biden with a bunch of speeches, so he really wants to now. Which ra- reminds me, you wonder how much John Meacham helped with this speech. Yeah. If John Meacham was involved again. And again, we don't know any of these things because it's all kind of under the table. Right. Well, and they, he didn't discuss the soul of the nation, which was which is oh, Me- that's true. Meacham's that is big, big pitch. But I, it, it, it was... Uh, um, you know, some of this, you got the immediate reaction of the speech. And then it, then we came around to the morning shows and you have, uh, again, the White House press office on GMA. You've got Stephanopoulos, you know, touting the fired up and fiery president. 
and and Mary Bruce. That was the one you were really suggesting was competing in the re- <laughs> re- replace Corrine Jean-Pierre sweepstakes. Well, I just first have to say about Stephanopoulos before we shift to Mary Bruce, the whole, like, I've never seen the crowd like that. I've never seen it so raucous before in the yeah. house. Fake. Fake news. <laughs> like, the Clinton guy is like, oh, my gosh, I am astounded at the rowdiness. Yeah, we've totally missed the Trump here somehow. Yeah. <laughs> oh, man. But no, Mary Bruce was just absolutely, you know, ebullient, you know, just like, she, you know. I, I am impressed that you used the word ebullient in the headline. I was like, oh, good uh, yes. for you. Good for yes. you. Extra points. Yes. Stephanopoulos was like, he didn't shy away from the fight. And she, Bruce was like, no, he certainly did not. And what I can tell you is this White House this morning is riding high. I am told there were cheers and high fives last night. They feel the president made a clear and compelling case for the progress so far and the need to stay the course. Where are the pom-poms? Because it certainly sounds like she's got the whole go team thing going there. Right. And she complained about Republicans jeering and heckling the president, even as he made the argument that it's time they work together. You know, and this again goes to something that we've been dealing with that I've been seeing in my decade here and you've been seeing really since the start of the MRC, which is the question to Republican elected officials is how are you going to work with the Democrat? How are you, what are you going to do to get on their level? Like, what are you willing to give? That's always the framing about this. Yeah. It's sort of like uh, this was the case on the PBS news hour last night where Senator Thune was on and Amna Nawaz. That was the big. It was a it was a fairly gentle interview, but that was what we sh- she was trying to force to the table. Like, what are you going to do to work with this president? You know, are you have to come to the middle? You have to bend. Right, because you had John Carl out there saying Republicans are bitter and rude. Uh, and Rachel Scott talking about how they fell victim to childish games, whereas then Bruce was. Biden was over here, quote, delivering a message of hope. Yeah, okay. You know, Jonathan Carl was the same guy that 10 years ago was writing a piece on Slate saying that Obama needed to go for the throat and wage war on the Republican Party. So for him to say, oh, it, this is this partisanship is terrible. I mean, it's like, come off it. Nobody's buying it. Yeah, nobody nobody is buying that. And, and the thing on the morning shows and all of them that I, I want to mention is they all kind of ho-hummed at the idea that Biden just really left out China, more or less. Only a couple sentences in the speech. I did a count last night. It took 58 minutes and three seconds for Joe Biden to bring up China. Yeah, I suppose this is the whole balloon aftermath. And the balloon aftermath. And he reiterated this nonsense about China's a competitor, not the enemy, and we, we're in a good competition with them, and we'll work with them where it's necessary. Yeah, that is and, always in the networks. In the networks, in their coverage this morning, totally just, just like repeated you're, it. You're not. Yeah, they just repeated it, if at all. Like, hold on a second. We just had this major news story that you guys let off multiple newscasts with. And you guys are just totally okay that Biden tucked a few sentences in an hour into his speech. Yeah, I think they're they were all willing to try to negotiate around that. But yeah, I think to a lot of people, this is sort of an off putting phrase, which is to say they're a competitor, not an an enemy Uh, like we're, you know, like uh, 
we're all in the same football game or something. It's it's it is an off-putting thing. It's one thing to say we have no interest in global thermonuclear war or something. And that's right. fine, but I mean it, it's clearly any, you know, any American administration who's looking at global threats to the United States and its interests has to start with China and then maybe Russia. Um, and so, yes, you can have a working relationship, uh, but, you know, even even the Biden administration canceled the Blinken meeting in Beijing after all that balloon nonsense. Right. Yeah. The fact that you canceled the meeting in Last month, I believe, or the month before, you held an entire week's worth of meetings at the D.C. Convention Center with all the leaders of Africa to tell them, please take our money and listen to us. Don't take Chinese money and look the other way and let them come in and put Chinese TV on your cable packages. Like, don't do that. Like, so uh, that was definitely surprising. But, you know, given the way that uh, the administration has really talked about China and the way Biden has gone about it with this competition phrase. Again, it wasn't entirely surprising uh, that that was kind of the end result and that sure enough, the networks were just kind of, okay. Uh, I wanted to discuss the, then the Republican response. And I, you know, I thought this would be especially interesting for you, Curtis, as the white house briefing guy, um, you were certainly doing it when Sarah Huckabee Sanders was a, the press secretary. I mean, this is the first time, at least for us news busting geeks, that a White House press secretary has offered the Republican response. Um, and I think she came out fiercer than you might expect. Uh, and, mm-hmm. you know, one reason you knew it wasn't going to go well for the Democrats was uh, Jonathan Capehart came out <laughs> screechy. On PBS after that speech. I mean, he came out after Biden's speech and was like, oh, it was glorious. It was just the tone I wanted. And then after this, uh, the PBS anchor was saying, I saw you, Jonathan, scribbling furiously during the speech, which means he was really angry. Uh So here's what came out. This speech, I'm, I'm, I'm trying not to levitate from my chair because there were so many. She leaned so hard into the culture wars that she just slid right into ignorance. And for her to say, to revel in the fact that she is an, a, an alum of Little Rock Central High School and lauding the Little Rock Nine and their statues, they're memorialized. When the Republicans, particularly in Florida, but I guess now in Arkansas, are going to make it illegal for students to learn about why the Little Rock Nine are significant and are in bronze in Little Rock. This kind of energetic lying that somehow the Republicans are against teaching black history from slavery to Jim Crow to to integrating schools in the South. I mean, all of it, it's absolute pants on fire poppycock but you can say it on pbs right i mean this goes to jesse waters ended his show i believe last night talking about this disney plus show yes the proud family the proud family show and what they were trying to do to the one macho gay dad about like white fragility they wanted the end result to be the end part where the guy is hanging his head he sounds like he's really depressed he might need some people to watch him and make sure he's not around sharp objects to be like, oh, I feel so terrible. You know, there's nothing that I can do to ever earn your forgiveness, truly. But will you like accept my apology or whatever that 
mm-hmm. my fellow white people have done to to your ancestors. That's what they want. There's there that is completely different than talking about slavery, talking about the slave trade. Uh, how yes, in the early years, slavery really helped initially build this country from the start. But then, as as Waters pointed out on Fox. Who built skyscrapers? Who built the railroads? I think the Chinese immigrants would be offended about that notion that saying that black people, you know, built the railroads. That's not true. Everybody helped build this country. Right. And as part of taking down the 1619 project, there's been an amazing amount of real quality work out there. And one of the points is slavery did not make us rich. And the steps had already been taken by the founders to eliminate slavery. They weren't accepting new slaves after 1808. New England had already gotten rid of it, mm-hmm. among other points. So uh, this just it is so infuriatingly stupid, but they know that they can get away with it. Well, and this is where um, I think the most maddening part of this to watch this from the conservative side is just seeing this sort of um, what sounds to us like really transparent lying about Republicans want to, you know, destroy Social Security. Um, uh, they want to push your grandma off a wheel, you know, in a wheelchair off a cliff. And they don't want to teach black kids anything about their own history. You know, these sorts of cartoons, you know, uh, it, it, you just know there's no fact checking that. They'll fact check the politicians. They're not going to fact check lying pundits on PBS. Well, and he knows he's not going to say because the other Republican you can get into is David Brooks. Right. Well, I mean, this he, he knows he's not going <laughs> to sit there and say, what are you smoking? That, yeah. That's not true at all. Right. David Brooks is, uh, you know, had a mildly different take, which he was like, well, the Republicans have this anti-woke thing. Uh, it might work for them. Uh, but then he, he, he then he came <laughs> around. Then he came around at the end and he was like, well, they think that there's a a cult a coastal cultural elite that looks down on them. Yeah, you think that's true? And then he said, uh, but I don't think Biden's really part of the coastal cultural elite. I mean, we've already established the speech is all like, let's have as many abortions as possible and let's make sure if 13-year-olds want to get amputated, let's go for that. I mean, Jill Biden was just at the Grammys. So the idea that, oh, we're, we are not, the Bidens, they aren't part of the coastal cultural elite. Right. Right, or it's hilarious how, like, yeah, go ask Debbie Dingle from Ann Arbor, who's been raising a stink about the fact that none of the people in House Democratic leadership are from the Midwest. Because yeah. it's Catherine Clark from north of Boston, uh, Pete Aguilar, or Aguilar from uh, California. And Mr. Brooklyn. And Mr. Brooklyn, so, I mean... You know, <laughs> well, I mean, the, the, and, Cl- and Clyburn, you know, from South Carolina. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's it is a, uh, you know, when you ask Democrats who are reporters and reporters who are Democrats to define where the Democrats are in the spectrum, it's always the Republicans are always extreme. And somehow uh, Biden is a centrist. We were back with Biden, the centrist. And it's not helped by the fact that you have squish Republicans like Sarah Matthews writing this column in The Hill yesterday, being like, Sarah Huckabee would be good enough to, would be good to not talk about wokeism because it's just not going to fly with voters. <laughs> you need to talk about substance. Well, you see, th- this is the silliness. Now, this, 
Uh, I'm going to go back and pull out the geezer. This was one of the lines they used to use during the Clinton years. And that was, we need to focus on, uh, you know, scandals aren't substance, uh, which of course is ludicrous because obviously under Trump, they were very, scandals were very, subs- they were very substantive, you know, when it's Republicans. Uh, yeah, whatever they don't want to discuss somehow isn't substance. Right, exactly. And it was, it's, I don't know, Van Jones was taking furious notes, but on CNN, he said, I thought she came across as mean and she's not mean. You know, uh, Sarah Huckabee Sanders is not a mean person. I think she came across as mean. And um, and I thought that uh, it wasn't necessary. Uh, if she wants to help kids in Arkansas, they sure need the help. But you don't have to put down every Democrat to, to stick up for kids in Arkansas. It didn't make any sense to me. And you had David Axelrod go around and try to say that, you know, Sarah Huckabee strode right into that lane of saying political opponents are your enemies. And I don't think that's good for America. Well, so but Excuse you just me. but Biden basically said that the Republicans want to cancel Social Security. You know, he has said that the the Republicans were Jim Crow 2.0. And then they're saying, oh, I find this very terrible that they're, they're saying that, the you know, the Republicans are saying the Democrats are the enemy. They're upset because only the Democrats get to portray the Republicans as the people who are going to crumble democracy. And that was hilarious about Jonathan Carl from GMA. His benchmark was... Well, you know, George, he didn't use ultra MAGA. He didn't say ultra MAGA. He didn't use some of his like hottest rhetoric. So therefore it was unifying. You're like, no, no, it was not unifying. I I mean, okay, maybe he didn't say ultra MAGA. Um, Yeah, he didn't say Trump either. They made a big deal out of it. Sarah Huckabee Sanders didn't say Trump. I don't know if Biden said Trump. Yeah. Well, yeah, she referred to like, you know, the president and right because she told the story at the end about going to visit the troops during over Christmas in Iraq or, or which somehow which see, is which is how this open which is the open to her book by the way if you ever go read her book it's a very nice brisk read CNN somehow thought that was funny or suggested it's what every president does yeah Cooper was like you know <laughs> about it and it, it was just very bizarre credit to Axelrod who was like yeah that's kind of what Everybody does. Well, and, and and we would all expect that presidents should visit the troops. Uh, it doesn't mean you can't talk about your experience. Like, you know, it was a big deal for me, Sarah Sanders, to go see the troops in Iraq. You Talking know? about it being unifying and the best of America. Like, presidents talk about this all the time. I would like the State of the Union to be more unifying in sense is save the campaign speeches for the campaign trail. That's just me. But I think that... that I blame Bill Clinton personally, that uh, the, they became more, longer and longer and they became more and more campaign speeches that Clinton's people discovered that the speeches ratings went up the longer it went on. So he was like, OK, I'm going to talk for 75 minutes, you know, it's <laughs> which which nobody should do. But uh, Biden, yeah. yeah, Biden went about 70 last night. You're I like, would oh. like and. You know, part of what everybody hates is the speech is probably 45 minutes long, but it gets there's 25 minutes of, you know, stamping and applause. And, uh, Mm. you know, not to mention these rituals, you know, the the sergeant of arms introduces the president and then there's freaking 10 minutes before the speech starts. It's like it does not take 10 minutes to walk down the aisle and stand in front of the podium. Uh, That's what people dislike about the speech. I just think. Uh, if I was a speech writer for a president, I would say, let's try to hit the grace notes and be be a little unifying about the state of our union and not bow to every political temptation. 
But you know what, Curtis? I blame the media for this too. Is and, and media before the speech explicitly said, "Oh, you know, it's before he announces Biden announces he's running again." They they wanted it to be a campaign speech. CNN's Abby Phillip was just giggling at the idea that Biden was still there more than ten minutes after the speech ended. You know that he was ir- showing his Irishness at heart by it was like he was closing out the bar. Yeah, Jake Tapper's like, "Oh, he loves people." And what was interesting about that? Was over on PBS, Lisa Desjardins had a different take on this. And she said, I've been here for many State of the Unions. The cap, the, the, the room cleared out. I've never seen so many congressmen just leave at the end of the speech. Well, of course, they didn't pan to the whole Capitol. But, you know, so whoever was standing around with Biden shooting the breezers, like 13 of them, because everybody else left. Maybe right. maybe they were all going out to their local camera locations. But when you're standing in the well there, like just off the House floor, having been like because the way the seats are, they're kind of raised there a little bit. So when you're standing there at the door, you kind of look like it's bigger than you are. Uh, and when yeah, when there's a single camera and there's a bunch of people with Biden who's tall and a bunch of other tall people all standing around. It looks like there's a lot of people there, but that's. And it doesn't matter to me whether a lot of people stay around afterwards. It's just the idea that they try to make this a virtue like Biden loves people. Look at that is just so boosterish. It's so like, oh, stop it. Put the shoe polish away. Yeah. Sniffing glue. (laughs) Sniffing glue. Ah, well. This is why we do what we do. So, you know, when you want to see how a big event like this gets covered before, during, and after, you come to Newsbusters Mm -hmm. once, twice, 24 times a day. Thanks for listening.